0: This message is brought to you by DanMolarArchive.com, the number one place to search over 2500 Dan Moller messages and growing. Now, please enjoy this message.
1: Uh, there's something I want to encourage you with questions. Be careful Be careful that when you ask your question, it's not just always a challenge in your life. I'm not talking about now. I promise you, I'm not threatened by anybody's motive question. You can can use any motive you want with me. It's fine. I'd be a good soundboard to do that with. But, you know, a lot of times in our life, we present things as if it's a question, and we're really making a statement, or we already have our answer, and you're really not asking a question. Some people do that to the Lord in their communication with the Lord in a moment of frustration or or presumption or whatever. Please don't do that to yourself. There's nothing wrong with questions. Just keep your heart in a good place in your life when you have a valid question. Uh, In this session, I'm probably not here. Probably our point isn't to try to answer the, the deep dogmatic theological questions that are on the earth, end times and all that stuff. I'm probably not really interested in talking about that.
0: Can I have, I have, my first question is uh, our friend Lisa's son just sent her this text. He doesn't know what is what's going on. That's what IDK is. I don't know what's going on. He can't read. He can't. This is just. This is just now, right? So can we? Who is it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's just lift him up right now. What's his name? Jay. Jay. Let's just pray for him right now. Let's just pray, guys. This is church.
0: He says, "I don't know what's wrong. I can't read anything. My left side of my head." Uh, is hurting and my right hand is hurting and is unneedled oh he can't feel anything
1: yeah father we just thank you right now for who you are for your amazing love god we lift jay before you right now in jesus name that every pain every symptom Everything that he says is weird going on would just change right now and go away. Father, let your love come upon him right now where he is. Holy Spirit, come upon him. Thank you. In Jesus' name, through Jesus' shed blood, come upon this young man and make things right because you love him, Father, and you prove that to us through your son. Jay, you be whole, you be well, you be healed. Jesus' name. Father, we're asking as a group right now that this would change right now in your great mercy, in your great love, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen? Okay. Thank you, God. Listen, when you run into things like that, I wanna encourage you, this morning I talked about relationship with God and and knowing him. When you get thrown into things like that, you wanna be in a place where you're walking with the Lord. One of the hardest things that we try to do is build a house in a storm. You're supposed to build a house now. And when the storm comes, nothing's shaking. Why? Because you've walked with him. You've been with him. You've communed with him. Do you see what I'm saying? It's just important. Live to never get caught off guard. I'm not saying that about anything other than that kind of situation comes up out of the blue. It would be really nice to be walking in Jesus and be aware. I got a phone call one time. And my wife was said to have severe brain damage and on life support and in a coma it'd be really important to believe the things I'm preaching to you when you get that phone call so that you don't just become a mess and now you're trying to apply scriptural principles to get help and then you you reduce this book to principles hoping to get help instead of a book of covenant and life and something you're walking in so you can actually bring the kingdom into that situation yeah so I honestly had the privilege of, of watching my wife come out of that coma and Zero, watch this. Who's medical here? Who has a medical background? Anybody? Medical background? An hour-long seizure. An hour-long, two meds to try to bring her out. Hour-long, she woke up out of the coma. Zero residuals of a seizure. Zero activity of a seizure in her brain. That's impossible, right? Yeah. Yeah. I already knew it was. I just wanted somebody to affirm that. They took a new EEG and she had zero brain damage and couldn't even find a residual of an hour long seizure. People say, oh, yeah, well, that's great. Well, God doesn't always and somehow, and how come? Well, my, and da da da. And when people talk like that, you can hear the hurt and offense a lot of times in their heart. You be really careful. Where you position your heart decides how much you're going to see of God in your life. I mean, there's so many people offended by the gospel that go to church because something didn't work out they prayed for. My own mother died of sickness. It doesn't change my faith to pray for the sick. I don't find my faith through the experience. I find my faith through him. His life is the truth to me, not my mother passing. I'm going after something, and I'm going to have it. Because he said, I can. I'm not going to change my mind, and I'm too late to debate with about it. I'm going after God. I've seen a lot of things in my life. And if I tell you about it, you'd have two choices. you either say, well, I don't believe you or whatever. I mean, some, some people come from the camp where, well, I don't believe you or that's from the devil. That's a sad scenario. You know, either you're, you're lying. Okay, so everybody that's seen a healing or says they were healed is lying or over-exaggerating or mind over-matter. That's a sad position to take. I've seen too many things to change my mind. But I haven't seen enough. Yeah, I haven't seen enough. There's things that I haven't seen that I need to see. But anyway, uh, we're going to ask some questions. Uh, What I was saying before Wiley came up with that phone message was uh, just end time, stuff like that. I'm I'm not here to try to open up some controversial thing. Sometimes end time questions are only prevalent to people where they're driven by fear, the fear of the unknown. I can promise you this. If you walk in fellowship with God and live your life for everyday purpose, you won't get surprised by anything. You'll just be ready for the moment. And a lot of people are arguing over theology. And while they're arguing over theology, they're missing everyday purpose. And they're not even writing a legacy. They're failing to walk in love every day. And they get issue driven. It's not cool. So don't do that to yourself, please. So uh, so yeah, let's take some questions if you have any. And if they're really in line with the things I've been saying, I don't mind you challenging me. I don't, I don't mind that. Uh, but if you want to have a a question concerning the things I've been sharing, that would be great, or if you just have a question. Anybody been thinking about that? Anybody have something to ask?
0: How do you as a pastor uh, encourage the church, the believers, in holy and righteous living without coming across as being legalistic or works-driven?
1: How do you encourage the church to live in righteousness without being legalistic or works-driven. How do you encourage a righteous life? Yeah? And uh, some people believe like when when they're teaching the gospel and how we're supposed to live, they're coming at sin all the time. They're coming at sin head on and they're always talking about sin, sin, sin. I encourage righteousness by preaching righteousness. In other words, I say this comment and I'll explain it. If you don't start where Jesus finished, you'll never run well in your life. If you're trying to live something that he already accomplished, you'll never run well. You'll go in circles and you'll, you'll, there's Christians that are good hearted. They see their need for savior, but they live to be pleasing to God instead of realize God was pleased to send his son. They, They try to earn favor instead of realizing they've been given favor. There's When you wake up in the morning, the best thing you can do is start where Jesus finished. Where he finished was his blood speaking better things over your life. So when you wake up, you wake up right in the sight of God. You say, well, I can't be right in the sight of God. We're all sinners. We sin every day. I'm probably sinning while I'm breathing, brother. That is a detrimental mentality to your life. But I hear it all the time. If you're sinning while you're breathing, you probably should get born again. See, sin comes from the heart. He gives you a new heart. He changes your way. You're saying you don't sin, you're not perfect, or you're that you're perfect? See, I'm not saying that. You're thinking way ahead of me. See, when you put yourself in that place, you can never hear an answer. You have to be very careful that we haven't set ourselves up to never understand. The key is that he rules his kingdom, Hebrews 1, with a scepter of righteousness. So these young men come to a knowledge of God and they say, I want to be born again and I love Jesus and I believe he died on a cross. And they kneel before him and say, Jesus, here's my life. Jesus, as they bow before him, he he rules his kingdom with a scepter of righteousness. I like to paint little pictures. I could see him just knighting him and boom, Seeing him as righteous through his blood that's speaking better things. All of a sudden, through the blood of Jesus, he sees this young man as if he's never sinned. We fight over this thing tooth and nail in the church. But I'll tell you what, if your belief isn't producing righteous fruit, you're on the wrong track of believing. If it's making you angry, that's a dead giveaway. See, see, he sees him as if he never sinned. What did John the Baptist say? He said, Behold the who... What did he do? Okay, so if he took it away, now what? I guess we ought to be sons. I guess we ought to be accepted. I guess we ought to be received. I guess we ought to be righteous in his sight if he said so. He says in Colossians 1, he says, You and me, were both enemies and alienated to God by the wicked way our mind worked. He's not talking about murder and adultery all the time. He's talking about self-centered thinking, thinking for you, yourself, and you. It's a detriment to your life. When you wake up living for you, if you're a Christian for you, you're in trouble. You have to be a Christian for his great name. You have to be a Christian for his kingdom. See, that's why there's integrity and character missing in people Because they're Christians for the wrong reason. They become a Christian for what God can do for them instead of how he can change them. Are you with me? He'll never change you unless you understand the answer to this question. You have to live in righteousness. And what that literally means is you have right standing with God. Corinthians 5 says, he who knew no sin was made to be sin so you could become right in the sight of God. So if you don't wake up in the morning and understand you're already right through the blood, your life will never change. Here's the deal. If I wake up and believe I'm a son, my life starts looking like sonship. If I believe that God sees me as if I've never sinned, now I'm not trying to skirt around sin. My whole life's changing through a new identity. As a man thinketh, so he is. It it says in Romans 5.17, if you receive the, the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, you'll reign as a king in this realm of life. And I've learned that sin consciousness eats people up. Good hearted people because they relate to sin or they wake up and try not to sin. That's a good way to be sin conscious. You don't wake up and try not to sin. You wake up and enjoy being accepted. Enjoy being a son. Colossians 1 says, You were enemies and alienated, and so was I by the way our minds worked in wicked manner. Yet now he has reconciled us through the body of his death. And it says to present us holy, blameless, And above reproach in his sight. Now nobody in my whole Christian life taught me this ever. They always taught me I'm always going to sin. I'm a sinner. I'm doomed to sin. I'm damned to sin. And I ought to be glad and excited that he forgives me and loves me no matter what. Well all they did was empower me to be a forgiven sinner. So my identity never changed. So my life was never empowered by grace to live outside of my present experience. So I never was able to go beyond what life taught me I had to be. Are you with me? It's so hard to talk about in the church because we so value our own experience. We say we're following Jesus, but I think we're following ourselves. And I think we've let our own functions and actions decide what's possible. But we're changed by grace, we're saved by grace through faith. So what can our lives really look like through what he paid for? What does Christ in me really look like? What's possible? What's God willing to do in me? See, I live with me, you don't live with me, you just see me now and I might look excited or you might have an opinion or you might think, oh yeah, okay, he's got the preaching jacket on or whatever. But see, I live with me. I go to bed with me. I wake up with me. I have my own conscience. I know my life, and my life is way different than before I knew Jesus. There was things in my life that I didn't want to stop doing, and today I can't even imagine why they were attractive. Why? I'm changed. I'm a different man. I used to think I was damned to sin. I used to think that I always had to be the way I was. I never realized that I could be what grace is making me as I believe. So every day I wake up holy, blameless, and above reproach. It's Colossians 1, guys. It's there. Some of you, I'll just read it for your sake so you know I ain't making it up. I read this book, it's a really good book. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled. He reconciled you while you were an enemy with wrong thoughts. He didn't say, what a knucklehead. I wonder why they got to think so stupid. i just so offended by them. No, no, no. While you were thinking wrong, he says, love says, boy, there's so much more. Man, if I could show them a new and living way, if I could bring a new way, if I could bring the narrow way, if I could get that thing in them, I can change who they are by changing how they see themselves, how they see me. Man, their lives can be transformed man I can forgive where they've been because I know what they're called to be we haven't given each other that opportunity we judge a book by the cover all the time we're notorious for first impressions we figure we got people figured out by their actions we remember Billy did this two years ago and when we hear his name it's all we think about and you think you know Billy because you remember that thing two years ago but you don't even know Billy you don't even know what happened in Billy the last two years You don't know if he's wept before the Lord. You don't know if his Holy Spirit's come upon his life. But I'll tell you, it's amazing how we mark each other based on the past. Now, if you're going to do that with people, you're certainly doing that to yourself. Holy, in the body of his flesh through death to present you, to present you. Watch. Ta-da. To present you. That means you're before him. To present you holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. Now here's the catch. Here's the clincher. If indeed you continue believing it, continue grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. Here's the tragedy. Many of us live our whole Christian life, go to church and never even heard this. We heard you're always sinners. You're always going to be sinners. You're probably sinning now and don't even know it. You ought to be glad he considers you. Make sure you stay in church because he's coming back and you better be in church when he comes. Who's heard that kind of message? Doesn't sound like the Bible I'm reading. He says you're holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. Let me paraphrase what he's saying. If you keep believing it and don't let anything change your mind. So all of a sudden, it's about you walking out in faith. What would happen in a Christian if they wake up in the morning, every morning, just wake up in the morning, good morning, Lord, thank you for loving me. Father, I so appreciate the blood that you shed through your Son and the blood, speaking better things over my life today. God, I thank you that you view me today and you're close to me and you're in me and you're one with me as if I've never sinned. You have changed my life forever. Oh my goodness, nobody owes me a thing. I'm done with anger, bitterness, offense, attitudes, insecurity, self-righteousness, low esteem. You have shown me the truth about who you are in me. You have changed my life forever. Thank you for another day. It's a gift, not a grind. I appreciate your love. Wonder if you would wake up and actually believe that. See, when I believe that, people look at the fruit that it produces just in my counts, and they think this guy is out of his mind. And I'm telling him, I laugh. I say, No, I'm probably out of yours. Probably out of yours. You're letting things bother you. You're letting things make you insecure. You're letting things cut into your value if you're not careful. You're still depending on another person to live a certain way for you to be okay. You gotta be careful, that's not you. You better be careful that you don't fit in any of those things. I'm not accusing you, I'm saying you gotta be careful, that's not you. Are you with me? Come on, attitudes are a dime a dozen, man. You think you're in control of your life. Are you kidding me? You're nothing but a product of what you're going through and how you're responding if you don't know this stuff. And all of a sudden, people are dictating your life continually. And you think you're in control and you're being controlled by something. Like if you weren't in unforgiveness, you wouldn't be the way you are. You wouldn't do what you do. If you didn't have unresolved conflicts, you wouldn't. You see what I mean? Everything is out to shape you and sculpt your life. So Jesus, in the beginning, he's there with the Father, and nothing was made that wasn't made through him. So last night we taught he said, let us make man in our image. So when God gets this desire and makes this thing about, I'm going to make man in my image, he makes man. Watch this. The Bible teaches he makes man with intention. So the reason man's on the earth is to pursue and express his image. That's Bible. How many people have heard life's a grind, life's a bleep, life's a blank? They usually put a struggle word behind it when life's a gift. And the only reason life seems like a grind is because you're living it outside of why you're here. Why would empowerment come to travel down a road you weren't created for? Why would you have grace to live what you're not here for? That's why life is a grind to so many people because they're not understanding the actual purpose of why we're here. I said it last night. I believe this with all my heart. I believe that the number one problem on the earth is every day men wake up for themselves when they're made for God's image. Christians, We're supposed to be touching the world with Christ. Come on, that's not preaching you need to pray a prayer to go to heaven. That's walking in love and living by the Spirit and making His name known through your attitudes, your life, and your disposition. We're called to shine. If we're Christians, we're called to shine and let your light so shine. That doesn't mean complain and bicker and moan and be discouraged and disappointed. Come on, you're supposed to shine. So anything that's not shining is deception. And you're supposed to love not your own life unto death, and you're supposed to deny yourself. And you're not your own. You've been bought with a price, so you lay down your life. We're not taught that. We're taught, come to the Lord. He'll bless you. Come to the Lord. He'll protect you. And then you lose a loved one, and you're so confused, you can't even pray anymore because why I lose? I thought he was going to protect us. Well, I don't preach that gospel. I preach you love less, your mother, your father, your spouse, your children, your houses, and your land, because if you don't, and yes, your own life, you'll no means, by no means, be his disciple. Oh, you can go to church, and you can put offering in the basket, and you can go on a mission trip and feed the poor, but you'll by no means be a wholehearted follower and a disciplined learner if you don't lay down your life and love the kingdom more. See, when I lost my mother to sickness, here's the thing. <laughs> He's not the Lord of my life just so he takes care of my mother because he covered that when he put his son on the cross and raised him from the dead. My mother is justified in his sight. She is with the Lord to be absent from the body. He's present with the Lord. My, my mother has eternal life because of the goodness of God. I didn't lose anything. I feel at times like we lost a battle. But man, we won this thing for eternity. Death isn't the issue. I'm not living just for today. I'm living for that day. And that means I haven't lost a thing unless I get sentimental and wonder why God and why didn't he heal her? And I went, oh, God, and I prayed and prayed. What am I doing wrong? I'll tell you what you're doing wrong. You're thinking way too much right now because what you're thinking isn't producing life. Come on. Listen, don't mix this thing up. Like, it's not wrong to have a high IQ. I'm not against a high IQ. I'm not even against a high intellect. That analytical thinking, that thing that processes so much where you make your own mind God and you make simple things complicated is deception. Yeah. I'll tell you where it started. Genesis chapter 3. When a voice came to Eve and all she ever knew was God's voice. All she ever heard was God's voice. She never heard another voice. She heard God's voice. And the, and the voice came and said, did God really say? That's a question. Did God really say? The day you eat this tree, you're going to, oh, yes, the Lord said, if I eat this tree, I'll die. Even if I touch this tree, I'll die. Oh, you're not going to die. Listen, God just knows that the day you eat that tree, you'll be enlightened. I mean, your eyes are open. You'll be just like him. She was already made in his likeness. This voice came and suggested something different. Suggested another tone, another thought imposed on God. Seemed to know the intention of God. It was rational. It was analytical. It it talked long enough to where it overshadowed what she knew. It's where it came from. I promise you, analytical is not a gift. I would never boast in being analytical. He said, unless you become like a little child, you'll by no means see the kingdom of God. Some people have run this thing through so much that they make the simplest thing, so complicated that they can't see. Be careful with that. It's not a gift. Don't boast in it. People say, well, I'm a very analytical person. I say, please, why don't you let that die right now? Let it die right now. Here, well, God really loves you. Well, I don't know how he can love me. I mean, you know... Well, yeah, but you don't know my upbringing. way, well, yeah, but there was a time when, yeah. And it just never ends. It just goes and goes and goes till all of a sudden he can't love me. And yet here's the son, love you. But you can't see that because the yell, butt, yell, butt, yell, butt, yabba, 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 do covers it up. Are you with me? I'm not against intellect. I'm not against a high IQ. I promise you analytical is not a gift. It's not from the Lord he said don't be wise in your own opinion and what does men do pride himself in well this is what I think well this is what I think without the scripture without truth without Jesus as a standard come on watch this your whole life your whole life you have been around this we've been this I was this James says be slow to speak slow to anger quick to listen what have most of us been ticked off don't want to hear it and have a whole lot to say What's love do? Lay down its life for another. What have most of us done? Lived at the expense of another. Total opposite. You hear the perversion? What'd you hear your whole life? Hey, that'd be great if that would happen, but if I were you, I wouldn't get my... See, you all heard that, right? Right here in the woods around here. Like, we're, I don't even know where we are. I still don't know where we are. We're in Tennessee, though, right? You sure and me we're in Tennessee? We're in a holler somewhere in Tennessee. Where, where you heard, if I were you, I wouldn't get my... Now guess what that phrase is, self-preservation. That phrase is trying to take care of you from getting so built up and then so let down and getting your little heart so broken that it's telling you to not put your hope out there. When the Bible says faith is the substance of things... Hebrews 6 says, hope is the anchor of your soul passing through the veil into his presence. So the Bible said, get your hope up. And we grew up, well, if I were you, I wouldn't get my hopes up. Who's ever heard this one? Well, what you don't know. Wow, you heard that here? That language crept its way into these valleys. What you don't know won't. The Bible says, what you don't know is destroying you. It says, in all you're getting, get understanding. What you don't know won't hurt you is a 180 degree opposite. Whoever heard this one? Well, what you see is, Bible says, don't you ever live by what you see It's subject to change. The things unseen are eternal. It's not an accident that we were trained by a language that says the 180 degree opposite of that book because Christ Jesus has become the wisdom of God for us. It says, don't be wise in your own understanding. Yeah. See, you say, well, you seem like you're, you No, all my confidence is coming from being with him. Everything I'm saying is because of him and by him. I've put it all in him. You get it. That's the difference. Yay for Jesus. It says the wisdom of man, that that God's foolishness, whatever that even means, is wiser than man's wisdom, God's foolishness. So I got on a tangent there, didn't I? I'm not even answering your question anymore. I think I answered your question. I preach that we are righteous in the sight of God. A lot of the churches, well, that's an arrogant position. No, it's what he said. So Watch. When you don't receive what the blood's saying, what he says, that's pride. Pride resists. Humility receives. It's false. It's false humility to say, well, you know, we're just, you know. To talk yourself down to try to lift him up is deception. He told you to come up hither. He told you you're seated in heavenly places and to set your mind on things above. So for you to talk yourself down and think it's humility, it's deception. I'm not talking about, well, you shouldn't think more, more of yourself, more highly of yourself than you ought. Read your Bible in context, friend. We're not thinking more highly. We're saying what he's saying. So if he says you're holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight, that should be the biggest relief of your life. Now, in our lives, we should go, whoa, whoa. I'm free from who I was. Finally free to step into what you paid for. Let's get it on. Let's go for this life. So if you don't start where he finished, you'll never run well. So you go to bed in him and thankful. You wake up in him thankful. You put on righteousness. It was made for you. Man, it would be like one of these sweet little girls. Somebody with a heart for one of these girls make them the most beautiful dress and have it hanging right there in their little closet. And they never take it off the hanger and put it on. And there it hangs the whole time made with absolute love. Fitting you to a tea, just looking all pretty on you. And you don't even put it on. That's exactly what it's like. Come on. The free gift of righteousness. You put that gift under that tree. You put that gift in that little stocking. You put that gift on a table for somebody. And they never unwrap it and open it. How can they ever appreciate the intention? if they never put it on. Phew. Actually, the biggest strength of my whole Christian life was understanding that I've been made free from every sin I've ever committed. And I've separated myself from the identity of sin so I could put on Christ. You want to read an amazing chapter? Read Romans 6. I'll preach for an hour if I open it up. I'll stay away so I can answer some questions. Romans 6 is... I don't even know how we could read Romans 6 and not go... It tells you who you are through Christ. It says, should we continue in sin so grace abound? Because he ends chapter 5 with where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Should we continue in sin so grace keeps coming? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live in it any longer? See, most of us weren't taught that. We were taught pray a prayer to go to heaven in case you hit a tree on the way home. That's what we were taught. Most of us were taught, you never know when your time's up. Make sure you're ready. And that's the gospel to us. No, you're dying to sin. You're putting off an old identity so you could put on something new. It says, certainly not. How shall you who died to sin? If you were honest, if I went around and really talked to you about your upbringing in Jesus and your background in church, some of us were never taught this because the next comment Paul makes in 6, he says, or do you not know? See, a lot of us don't know. And he talks about being buried with him and putting off our old man and our old man dying with him. And if we died in the likeness of his death and were baptized into his death, surely we'll raise in the newness of life. Sounds like a change coming. That's what this water baptism's all about. That's why they set this whole thing up. It's mainly just for Miss Esther, wherever she is, she's somewhere. This whole thing was just for her. But if you have never been water baptized, if it's time to surrender your life and get right oh, well, I see her now. back, I see her smiling. There's a little light just lit up back here. <laughs> Miss Esther she's awesome so, so we're going to put Esther in there tonight and we're going to baptize her she's going to die in the likeness of his death and her old man is being crucified and he's going to get buried in baptism into his death Romans 10 says the death he died he died to sin once for all right but the life he lives he lives under God it says so you reckon why does he jump to us right away because he's making us one you therefore reckon yourself dead indeed unto. Okay, shall we continue in sin? Certainly not. How shall we who died to it reckon yourself dead to it? How can you reckon yourself dead to it and still boast in your ability to commit it and call it humility? Hello, come on! I'm challenging you right now a little bit. See, the scriptures which giving me my answers, not my IQ. And I believe the word of God. And you say, I had a friend say to me once, man, I wonder if you're wrong. wonder if one day you die and it, you realize or whatever, and none of this is true. I said, I'll tell you what, then nobody's got hurt. I've done nothing but good for people because I ain't hurt nobody in this. I'm cheering you on, encouraging you, and telling you can be so much more. Encouraging you to walk in love. wonder if we find out in the end none of this was true, he said. I said, then I've lost nothing, and a lot of people got touched and blessed along the way. But I said, if it is true, maybe that's a question you ought to ask yourself. Because if it ain't true, I've lost nothing. I'm having the time of my life. I'm either the most deceived man you ever met, the best actor, or I'm on to something. (laughs) I guess you have to figure that out where you're concerned. But I already got my answers because I live with me. See how falling apart I am right now? It's a shame I can't hold together. I'd like to be more disciplined right now. (laughs) But I'm so glad to be alive and so free from you so I can finally love you. Oh, my goodness. Yay. Good tidings. Great joy. I'm not being mean. Where's the great joy in the church? Maybe we'd be a whole lot more attractive to folks if we lived in unspeakable joy. You don't just stir it up. You don't put it on. It's not a spirit that falls on you at the altar so you hoot and holler for an afternoon. It's a revelation that your heart sees and you don't know how to not be excited. You have a hard time calming down. Yeah? Good tidings. Great joy. (laughs) Joy unspeakable. Sounds like it's hard to express in words because you're so lit up. That's why I'm talking and giggling so hard inside. And I'm like, behave, help me, Jesus. I got to get this across. I'm not here to manifest. (laughs) Come on, I just don't see that kind of joy. I've pastored for years. I don't see that kind of joy in people's lives. I see life deciding who they are and how they are. I see people that are only as good as things are going. You say, How you doing, man? And they tell you the two biggest challenges and say, Keep me in prayer. That's a dead giveaway that you're finding your identity through the life that's living instead of the life that's in you. You're finding yourself through other things, not Him. And all of a sudden you got tricked into thinking the gospel's a survival kit. The gospel's the answer of a brand new life. And you find it in Him. How can I reckon myself dead to sin? And not give myself to the identity of sin. And still say, stay aware of my ability to commit it. You say, but don't we just still commit sin? Wonder if you give yourself to righteousness and take a step of faith. And let God teach you how you can actually live. Because I'm telling you, in the church it's hard to talk about. Because people blow the heresy whistle all the time. Because they lord their own experience above the word of God it's very hard to talk about this topic because men live with so many secrets and they don't even like themselves and they're ashamed of themselves and they still go to church because they have a sense of a fear of God, but their value is so demeaned. They're dipping into porn. They're messing around with this. They're saying things they ought not say. And now we're worshiping or a fellow like me comes along and then you're like, whoa, he's freaking me out. Nobody can be like, we all got our stuff, brother. Oh, I've been around it my whole Christian life. As soon as somebody's excited, people get nervous. Why? Because they ain't excited. So they think their experience has to be reality. I've seen people get really nervous when somebody's really in love with God. People really in love with God, people that aren't totally in love with God, get nervous by people that are. They just get nervous. Why? Because they're always convicted. I've seen spouses get lit up and on fire, and the other spouse threatened by their passion instead of, wow, God is moving in their heart. Well, what are you saying about me? Well, what are you saying about me? It could be the guy or girl. I'm not putting it on the woman. I changed my voice a little. You caught that, right? You can work for me. She said, well, I'm not saying anything about you, honey. Just Jesus said, yeah, well, but I mean, I go to church. I'm still serving over the... It doesn't have to be all like that and next thing you know you're comparing yourselves among yourselves and now there's animosity instead of great rejoicing. Why? Because we're self-conscious and we judge ourselves by ourselves and we compare ourselves amongst ourselves. It's a trap. It's a trap. Okay,
0: Dan, I, I said a lot of Dan, things outside Dan. of his question, but it was big on my heart. Yes. Uh, just uh, and then uh, he. Yeah. Just, I, uh, I just wanted to add. Okay, I'm righteous. I'm above reproach in His sight. That's awesome, and I hear what you're saying, and I need to reckon myself that that's just who I am. But how am I dealing with? You don't know the nonsense going on in my head. And you know what? Some of it, I still, I kind of like it, but but it's bothering me. Okay, and I okay. My understanding of how righteous I am because of what He's done, nothing that I've done. I, I want to believe that. I want to believe that. However, how what am I? And and that's not a license to sin. Romans six is telling me that. Right. Okay, I can't just do what I want. But you know what? I like some of this nonsense, and I can't stop it. Where and so I'm I'm a hypocrite, right? Where, how how right. am I going to look at I that? I don't think
1: necessarily a lot of people like it. I think if they like it, I don't think that's the case. I think a lot of people that want to believe and have a sense of knowledge of God, these things violate them. When you think, Who's ever thought something in your mind and you thought, man, where did that come from? I wish I wasn't thinking that. That makes me feel bad. Who's ever had stuff going on inside your heart and head that you thought, eh, yeah. that you wouldn't want posted on a bulletin board? Anybody? And it wasn't necessarily that you liked it. It was just that it didn't seem like you had the power to change it. It was just there because it was there. You get it? Here's what happens. It's a great question. Watch. Second Corinthians 10 tells you the weapons of your warfare, they're not carnal. They're mighty in the breaking down of strongholds. What a stronghold is, it's a belief that builds inside of you. And it begins to dominate and control your life. It, 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 you believe, it becomes a stronghold. It sets up camp and you can't see past it. It, it. it robs you of seeing past that. It's a stronghold. It says that we have a weapon of warfare that's mighty in the breaking down of a stronghold. Let me just clarify for simplicity what he's saying. We have an answer for breaking down lies. That's what he's saying. Now watch this. Watch this. I saw you, I saw you shake your head. You were being honest when I said, who has things in? And he went, and you just said it, you looked real sincere. So I'm not picking on you. I just, it's, it's awesome. Now watch this. And I said, and you feel bad about it and you wish it wasn't there, but you can't turn it off and it's there anyway. And, and I saw him go and he kind of made eyes and went like this. Now watch the fact that he doesn't want to think it, or if he could turn it off, he would tells me where his heart is. The thing isn't coming from inside him. It's coming from familiarity, suggestion, it could even be spiritual. But the fact that you care or a thing bothers you. Who's ever done something and two years later you remembered it like it was yesterday and that old feeling tried to creep back over your soul and you thought it was over two years ago and now you're thinking about it like it was yesterday and now you feel violated again or you feel like the same person that did that. Anybody ever experienced that in their life? Okay, now watch this. Here's what we do. We're notorious for this. We'll, we'll call somebody for prayer. It's not a prayer issue. It's a truth issue. We'll say, man, I don't know what's going on in my mind, but I feel Because we take responsibility and get personal with everything that's running through our minds. Not everything that's running through your mind is coming from your heart. Some of it's just familiarity. Sometimes it's a blast from the past. Sometimes it's just recollection. Are you following me? Here's the key. If what you're thinking bothers you, that's a good sign it ain't you. So if you internalize it and take responsibility for it and start repenting for something you're not even doing, now you're in big trouble. Because now you think something's wrong with you, but what's right with you is there was a time you would think that and not even blink, and now you think it and it bothers you. So you're changing. So, and and who knows that, I I mean, we don't talk about it enough. Some of us are weirded out by it, which is kind of sad, but... There's a demonic side to life. There's there's spirits. There's things. I could tell you tons of stories and experiences. It's just a reality. There is lying spirits, familiar spirits, deceiving spirits. We don't talk about them much in the sense that we don't want to give them honor. You certainly don't want to put them on a platform. But I'm telling you, Paul said, don't be unaware of their devices and don't give them any place. Pretty simple. One of the signs of a believer. Cast out. Most of us try to think they don't exist. Okay, so, so you got a young girl. She's 21 years old. She's driving to work. She's born again for the last 14 months and she's excited and she's got a bunch of Christian friends and they're all going to this youth rally and they're excited and they're going to hang out together and be girlfriends and they're just loving Jesus together. And she's on her way to work and she's a week out of going on this weekend conference she's so excited about. She's heading to work. Well, when she was 18, this thing happened with this boy in relationship and it hurt her and broke her and she felt convicted and she crossed lines and... All of a sudden, she's driving to work. She's 21. She's excited. She's going. She's not harboring this. She's not dwelling on this. She's not wishing she was back there. She's got new life. She's going after Jesus. She's got new friends. She's driving to work. And all of a sudden, the picture of that thing from 18 is right there. Who's ever had something like that happen in their life? It's calculated. It's on purpose. It's coming for an opportune time. What it wants that girl to do is gray out and relate to being that same person. So we think, oh, no, something's wrong with me. That must still be in me. I must need deliverance. I must need prayer. Are you kidding me? You need truth. You don't cry and get on your cell phone and say, can you pray for me? I'm remembering bad stuff. No, this is an opportunity for you to be driving in your car. Father, I just thank you for the freedom you've brought in my life. Right while that picture's there. Father, I just thank you that you set me free forever and changed me for all time. God, you put a new thing in my heart. You have washed me clean and you have stood me pure before you. God, I so appreciate your love for me. Bam, bam, bam. Why? Because this thing's outside trying to get back in and getting you to wear what you're not. That's why it bothers you. Because it's not you. And there was a time in your life you were trying to make this happen and now you'd love to forget it. That's a sign you've changed. So this thing comes back and says, eh, am still you. That's where you gotta lift your voice. It's a prayer thing, it's a truth thing. It's the weapon of your warfare. See, I promise you, man, people are doing good. Who, who, can you help me? Help me, man, what's your name? Huh? Okay, look, 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 smile at them guys. Can you tell he's born again? Can you tell? Can you tell he's saved? Okay, sit down, Paul, because he's saved, right? He's saved, right? He's saved, right? Okay, good. (laughs) So here's how demonic strategies work. Paul's doing good, man. He's driving his car. He's having the time of his life in Jesus. He's growing up in God. He has good convictions. So I'm just going to play this out. This might not be totally how it works. I'm just going to have fun with it, but give you an illustration. So there's, there's assignments, there's familiar spirits, there's deceiving spirits, there's lying spirits. So let's just say Satan's real and he's over here and he's like, he's looking at Paul and he's going, ooh, I don't like this. Man, I used to own that boy. Man, I remember when he'd listen to everything I said. Man, I feel like I ain't got no access to this man. He's concerning me. Ooh, I see the light growing in that man. I got to turn this around. All of a sudden he goes, Come here." And he says, Who, hey, me, boss? He says, Yeah. And he says, Come over there. He says, Listen. You see, Paul? He's like all amped up. He's one of these, he's a Christian. You know, he's on fire. He's just growing. He's Woo, Jesus. I said, Oh, boss, you're a genius, boss. You're so awesome, boss. Yeah, well, go get him, man. Go. Oh. <laughs> so Paul's just driving in his car, right? Yeah, just drive, man. This thing comes, he's sitting right here. He says, oh, you're so excited, huh? Well, what are you really excited about? I mean, what's really changed? What's really the big deal? I mean, what's coming because of all this? What's really different? I mean, remember when, yeah, like seven years ago. Remember how, see, that happens to everybody. Now, right there, he's faced with options. He can either go and gray out or Paul, which he'll do. He can go, Father, I thank you for the transformation of my life. And God, I appreciate for the work you're doing inside of me. And God, and ha, ah, yeah, ha. Uh, ah, yeah. Keep your eyes on the road, though. Come on. Oh, Keep your eyes on the road. Time. Okay. Yeah. Ah, right? Now watch. So this thing goes. Oh, he runs back. He says, boss, boss. He says, did you tell him? I told him, boss. I promise I told him everything you told me to say. Yeah, did he get discouraged? No, boss, you ain't going to believe this. He lifted his heart up and started to worship God. (laughs) You fool. You couldn't have told him what I said. Because when you talk like that to Christians, they get discouraged, depressed, and call for prayer. Not this Christian, I think he's a believer. (laughs) You fool, I'll take care of this myself. (laughs) Coming at you. (laughs) So watch, watch, I just... What's Paul? Father, I just say, he never addresses the enemy. He never addresses the problem. Because it's not a problem because he's living from here. And all of a sudden he says, you know what? That is not who I am. That's not who I ever want to be. Father, I thank you for the change in my life. Watch. So every time this thing comes to break him, It runs the risk of making him if he stands in truth. So all of a sudden, he's not threatened by nothing except not seeing who he's become. You get it? That's how you handle voices. Thanks, man. You did a great job. Give him like a little clap or something. It does, doesn't it? Because here's the thing. Everybody in the room can relate to that little thing without really thinking about what's happening, where's it coming from, because a lot of us take internal personal responsibility and just think that we got a problem and we're still defiled or still messed up or something, because we were thinking, and if I was okay, I wouldn't be thinking that stuff. I watched a video before I was saved that you just shouldn't watch, but I didn't have that conviction when I watched it. Now I'm born again, years later, years, I'm pastoring, I'm in a school of ministry, we're going to talk about gifting, and words of knowledge, and healing, and I'm preaching that night, but they're in worship, right, and it was a holy, amazing moment, it was one of them hush moments, like the atmosphere was like, don't get loud right now, we're all kind of overwhelmed, whoa. Lord, you're amazing. And it was a real quiet moment. I'm standing there with a microphone. I'm ready to get up there. I, I, I'm not saying this in a wrong way. You learn the flow of services. You know you're about to be up there in the next few minutes. Your heart's before the Lord. You're prepared. You're, you're ready. You know you're going to get up there and transition in a minute. But this worship moment was holy and amazing. And we were all just kind of savoring the presence of the Lord, like, wow, Father, you're awesome. So I'm standing there with a the mic. I'm revved. I'm ready to roll, you know. And I'm standing there with a the mic. And, and, and here's where you don't want to be an analytical person because you'll be like, now how could I be thinking that in the presence of the Lord? Well, I don't know how that can be if he's really here. Da, 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 da. In my mind, unsolicited, the last thing on my mind or in my heart is that silly video from years ago. I'm standing there in an atmosphere of amazing, called the Lord. And I got a mic in my hand, and the video starts going through my head like I turned it on. In church, I'm the speaker with a mic. I'm the pastor. That thing was on purpose looking for opportune time. The enemy says the ruler of this world cometh, or Jesus said, the ruler of this world cometh, the enemy cometh, the ruler of this world cometh. Jesus said this, and he has nothing in me. It said he left him and looked for a more opportune time when he had access. What do you think's happening right now? Opportune time, access. I'll get Dan to believe this is in him, that this stuff's in his heart. I'll violate his conscience before he preaches. I'm standing here with a mic. I got a silly video going through my head. Like I'm watching it right now. Like I hit the on button. And see, I'm the wrong person at this point. I'm a madman. Did you figure that out yet? I I ain't playing. The atmosphere, all of a sudden, it wasn't about holy hush and don't. No, no. We're in warfare. We're fighting a good fight of faith. We're not fighting people. We're not even fighting the devil, guys. We're fighting the good fight of faith. We're continuing to believe in the face of it all. Our fight is continuing to believe. So guess what I did? I got the microphone in my hand. I didn't have it on yet, but it was not quiet. Everybody's hushing. This girl's up there tinkering on the keys, the high keys. It sounded like rain. And nobody's, you can't even hear people breathing. There's a little bit of a,
0: oh, Lord, oh,
1: Lord. Every once in a while, somebody's like, And I go, Father, I thank you. You've changed my life forever. God, I appreciate. And I go ballistic. While the video's running. Why? Because that thing ain't in my heart. It's just in my head. And what it wants me to do is turn and kneel and cry and pray and repent for something that's not even in me. And lose my identity through a memory. Not today, friend. I'm a little more established than that. Righteousness has set me free. So I go bananas. Everybody, it's my church, they love me, I'm their pastor, and they think, wow, this is a little out of the atmosphere. (laughs) That's that's abrupt. Dan's freaking out right now. It was so loud, I was being gentle when I gave my expression. It was, it was loud. God, and I thank you, and you have purified and changed my life forever. (sighs) Why? That thing poked me. And the weapon of my warfare is right here. Truth makes me free. Declaration. This thing came to try to break me, to slip in and sneak in on me. Ah, It's helping to make me. The thing that's designed to shut me down is a springboard for seeing clear. Are you getting it? So I go, absolutely. Now, I don't know what you're ready for, and I might be stumbling a few people. Just don't get up and leave on me real abrupt or, yeah. But I said... God, rah, and the people started to enter in one at a time, just kind of following me as the pastor. And they said, Lord, we thank you. And the room turned into a, rah. So we went from, oh, Jesus, rah. It was really crazy. So right in the heat of all that, I step up. Now watch. I looked at a man sitting about in there behind where you girls are. It's right back in there. I said, you, sir, something in your middle of your back, it's herniated. Is it a disc herniated? He said, yeah. You feel that heat? Oh. I said, get up, bend over, touch the floor. There's no pain. I know it. Whoa. He's crying. I said, ma'am, you got something growing on the side of your ankle and the inside of your right ankle. Is that true? It's a cyst. Yeah. I didn't know these people. She said, yeah. I said, check it. You'll find it's not there. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah. Watch. Things happened in that room that I don't think would have happened if I didn't see the video. (laughs) Because the video... (sighs) Yeah? The design was to get me second-guessing, condemned, internally struggling, insecure... Man, I should maybe pass the mic till I get myself cleaned up. <laughs> nope, I'm going to keep the mic. Oh, thank you for who you are and what you've done. Thank you for making me brand new. That I'll never be the same. You have put new life in. <laughs> and then I come from that place and look out here and go, doo, 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 and see what he sees. And then you point out this and you point out that and God's gone. Things that might not have even happened if it wasn't for the video. Now, if you're the enemy, how do you fight that kind of weaponry? If we actually pan out to be believers, what could you possibly do about it? <laughs> he starts running out of options, doesn't he? Do you think he's going to do that again? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. See, my whole goal in that meeting wasn't to manifest and do all that stuff. My whole goal was to teach, train, and equip. There's usually a level of demonstration. But it was just such a high moment in God and such a revelation. I believe the reward of heaven just comes and says, man, good job. You just kept your eyes on this and he just allowed me to have fun. It's really fun. It's really fun to fly with somebody on your your plane beside you and you know what's going on in their life and you still didn't talk to them. It happens to me all the time. So you can debate all you want about things, but you're a little late to talk to me because you can't do anything about my experience. The only thing you do is call me a liar and I guess we'll find out someday. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Countless people crying beside me on an airplane. And you know their stuff and their details. You know things. You know where they're hurting. You know where they're aching. And you whisper it to them. And they go, how did you
0: know that?
1: Some people go, whoa, you are psychic. You say, well, kind of, but not really. (laughs) I'll explain in a minute. Can I just see your hand? It'll be fun. (sighs) You see what's wrong with me? Jesus lives inside of me and I can't do anything about it now. <laughs> he moved in for keeps. <laughs> he didn't sign a lease, he took ownership. <laughs> Yay. But see, I'm not going to hear those things if I'm distracted by life. I'm not going to be per- perceptive like that if I don't have a healthy identity, if I'm worried about things, if I got people bugging me. How am I going to be in tune with that stuff if I got issues? I don't have issues, I have the kingdom. So, thoughts in your mind, you're never threatened by them unless you believe them. If they're not negative, or if they're negative and not producing life, they're not the Lord. If they're not negative, receive them in the Lord, but turn everything into a God moment. Watch this. Don't wake up in the middle of the night and say, I had such a terrible dream. No, flip your dream into a God message. Sit up in your bed. Even if you believe it was the devil, Father, I just thank you for teaching me tonight and speaking to my heart and flip the message of the dream into life. Because if it is the devil, he ain't going to do that no more. I read it in James, submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee. You know what we do? The devil, wah! And then we pray, devil, get out of here. And he says, boy, I got their attention. Look, he has no identity. He's a cut off withering branch coming to nothing. Look what happens when you give somebody a mic. They manifest. If you put him on a platform, of course he'll perform. Yeah? I give him no place. What, what people ever played the ignore game with each other growing up and you just acted like you didn't hear somebody when they were talking? And they're like, oh, come on. I know you hear me. And you're just like, did you hear me? And they're like, you hear me? Why don't we do that to him? He go, yak, yak, yak. Why don't you just ignore him and just go straight this way? Yak, yak, yak. Yak, yak. Yeah?
0: If you enjoyed this message, please visit danmolerarchive.com to find over 2,500 more messages from Dan, all organized by category, playlist, and search. Enjoy.